Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be talking about the newly signed Vit Credci deal, what the constructs of that contract are, what it means for the Thunder and what to expect from Credci next year. And I am also going to talk about the new NBA.com preseason conference rankings and where they decided to put the Oklahoma City Thunder. But first, before I go into that, I want to let you guys know a little bit from DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is right around the corner. You guys can get into the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting sports partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving you guys a really good offer. New customers will receive $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up, because you do not want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any Week 1 game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at $1 million. You heard that right, a million. And nothing adds more to this excitement watching a football game quite like having the ability to get $1 million as that top prize. So you guys can go and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TB. PN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot at a million as the top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 rager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, you can call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. But guys, it has been a little bit of a time. I think it's been about a week since I have gotten back to you all. This is kind of that like lay period in the off season where there's not a lot of news coming through. But I distinctly remember when I ended Thursday's podcast, I said, you know, there's three, four more weeks until we really get into training camp action. There's some available spots on the Thunder roster. Some news is going to have to trickle out. And that happened a lot sooner uh, than later. I guess you would call it because the Thunder, they immediately signed Vit Kredci last week to a pretty sweet contract. And, you know, this is one of those deals where everyone following the team kind of knew something between the two parties would happen. I said, you know, a four-year deal probably would have happened last week. I mentioned pretty cheap deal. I mean, this is a 21-year-old guy. Uh, but you look at the track record here. I mean, Vit Kredci comes over to join OKC's ranks, first off, actually, you can actually put the rewind into the 2020 draft. The Thunder traded up to get Vit Kredci. They had the 53rd pick in the second round. They packaged that with a 2024 second rounder with the Wizards to get the 37th pick and Admiral Schofield, who 
obviously was cut in last year's training camp, but they got Krejci there and that was that. I mean, he was still linked to Basket Zaragoza. There was a contract, but prior in late September of 2020, he tore his ACL. So he wasn't playing. It was just all rehab. And he joined Oklahoma City in January. He actually signed a G League contract with them, never played with them, but he was part of the team. If you check the rosters, you check the website, he was listed. And the reason he was is because being on the blue allowed him to receive attention from the medical staff, get access to the facilities, stuff like that. So it got him really involved with the team before he was kind of on it, I guess you could say, because he was on the outside looking in uh, with his rehab. But he stuck in Bricktown the whole like last eight, nine months. And, you know, he was with the summer league team in... Uh, in Vegas, even though once again, he was not playing due to rehab. He was out and about during the pre-draft process. Actually, this season, we heard from Renz Blindberg, actually, that whenever he landed in Oklahoma City, he was with Vit Krejci. Krejci was showing him around the city. Krejci was showing him around the facilities, this and that. Krejci was basically the tour guide for the Thunder. That kind of means something, at least when you bring that to me. And then also, I mean, they bought out Krejci's deal with Basket Zaragoza this past offseason. So the writing was on the wall. I mean, you can keep going. He was at Baisley's birthday party. He was at one of the home games thing against the Raptors. So... He was all over the place. He has been linked here for a while. And, you know, this was a smart deal. Had the Thunder gotten Charlie Brown Jr., gotten Gabrielle Deck first on a contract, I would have been utterly shocked first off. But I also would have been pretty damn upset because this was the best option on the market for what the Oklahoma City Thunder really need and what the future beholds for them. Because we know, and I'll talk about it in a second, I'll talk about it probably the next couple of podcasts. This is a team that's looking to rebuild. They're looking to bring in as many new young guys, foster them for a couple years, and then see what they have in them. So there's no point in taking 26-year-olds. There's no point in taking 24-year-olds even. You want to have the youngest guys with the most potential sign of deals. And that's what Vic Krejci does for you. And they pretty much have him on homegrown soil for a year. So he's coming in with a lot more experience than your typical rookie. So I kind of gave you guys the timeline here with where he's been, but in terms of how he is as a player, he is very, very special. And you have to start the conversation with Krejci and saying that Vid Krejci, he has been injured. So this will be a process in terms of when he's going to get back on the court, when he's going to be extremely effective, and when we're going to see him really at his fullest potential, but the slate is already very, very good for him. You know, because the trade-up, because of this and that, there's a lot here. And at the 37th pick, this is not your typical 37th pick. He is a six foot eight point guard. He's just like Josh Giddy, where Josh Giddy was playing with Adelaide and he was not playing the two. He was not playing the three. He was the initiator. That's what Vic Krejci did with Basket Zaragoza. And whenever you talk about Zaragoza, you have to mention this. In Europe, there's a lot of different tiers of leagues when it comes to European basketball. He was in the Liga ACB. That's one of the best of the best. You kind of put that next to Euro League in terms of what you want to spot there. But a lot of times they're actually intertwined, those two. That's like the second best league in the world. And for him to be on that team... At 20 at the time is 
insane, but even prior to that, he was still kind of dabbling in with Basket Zaragoza, and he's a teenager playing in the Liga ACB. You know, whenever you think of guys in the Liga ACB, guys in the Euro League, they are not 18, 19, 20 years old. These are 25-year-olds. A lot of the times, they've had to climb up from the second-tier leagues, or they come over from the NBA because they cannot get a new contract, which you know, that's not really a slight at all. Like, if you are coming over from the NBA ranks, that's a good spot to position yourself in. So, that is a very talented league, and to be able to make your way up the boards like that is pretty magnificent. Now, obviously, as I'm talking about this, here's kind of the caveat, and here's where things get a bit more interesting in terms of his actual resume. He wasn't playing a lot in the league of ACB. He was more one of those low-tier guys playing in the lower leagues, dominating, and then when it came to actually playing in Liga ACB, there was not much there. I mean, he technically played three seasons of Liga ACB basketball, but that totaled to 21 games, and he played one game in 2016 to 2017, which is crazy to me. I gotta kind of crunch down the numbers on how old he was, but this is a full-fledged like high school guy out there, Uh, but it was just one game, so there's really not much to take away from that. It doesn't even log a minute here. So this might be a fluke on basketball references parts. However, though, we know in 2019, 2020, he was on the active roster. He was kind of just held out on the bench, sort of in a role we might see with the Thunder, where he's just kind of getting fostered and nurtured by the starters, trying to build him up. Because as a six foot eight point guard, there's a lot of potential there. And you don't see a lot of people like that coming in and out of your doors. But he played 18 games with Zaragoza in the 2019-2020 season, and he ended up averaging 3.2 points, 1.1 total rebounds, and 0.4 assists in a 7.6 minute palette. So really, when you put it in the grand scheme of things, he was not touching the court much at all. 7.6 minutes, you could probably log what Burton was playing. I mean, that's kind of the numbers like Deontay Burton got to play. Like that is... 15 out of 15 there like he was on the bottom but going into the 2020-21 season he was actually expected to kind of make an introduction with the team Uh, and he came in he got to play two games and then he tore his ACL and something that if I could ask Vic Frenchy and I really hope I could one thing I'd ask him is if he was not injured during the 2020 2021 season would he have even declared for the 2020 draft because I believe the Liga ACB season runs past December and November and I think you had to actually call or submit yourself into the draft probably in the fall of that year so I'm not even sure if he would have been with the Thunder had he you know stayed healthy I also don't think he would have slid to the second round I think when you look at his build you look at his talents he's a first rounder I mean look at Josh Giddy and look at some of the other guys that were available on the board. You had Jonathan Kuminga. This guy's a high flyer. He established himself in the G League. This guy's blocking shots everywhere. He was even dabbling in the three-pointer. James Booknight seemed like the guy to play off the ball with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You know, you can go on with players like that, but they wanted to go with Giddy, a guy who could not shoot that proficiently, but he has potential there, but he's a very good crafty playmaker, and he's oversized. 
this is something that the Thunder have just become addicted to. You know, they they double dipped actually in 2020 with taking Pogashevsky alongside with Vit Krejci, and they took their third shot at it in selecting Josh Giddy in the lottery this year. So they clearly have intentions with Krejci. This is a type of player that they want to have really mold a future with the franchise, and it's because just like a lot of guys who have been kind of mainstays with this Thunder roster last year, pretty multi-positional, if if that's how I want to say it. And I say this because, yeah, this guy was a true, true point guard. He was not playing the two, was not playing the three. He's taking the ball up in the half court with Zaragoza. But when you look at the roster now, I do not think Krejci's going to be a point guard anymore. And this is something I've kind of had... Uh, been talking about ever since he even got drafted. And I don't think it changes here. I think that this is a guy who just like maybe a giddy will be to SGA, you lodge him at the two or the three and you keep him as that secondary ball handler because it's still going to keep you a guy, let's say the second unit, a guy like, you know, Ty Drome or Teo Maladon, take it up. They're pretty good at creating for themselves, but also distributing. But if you need to put it in someone else's hands, Vit Krejci is going to be there and he's going to be able to put in some work for you. He has a pretty nice handle with the basketball. Now, when you look at overall speed, clearly he's not up to par with your typical point guard, right? Like just like Josh Giddy, the quick first step is not elite, but that frame kind of was able to just brute force him inside sometimes off these penetrations. And I'm really excited to see what that could generate from him. When I look at how he can utilize his ball handling and his frame, I really like him actually slashing to the basket, kick it out to the corner. If he doesn't like the shot, he could probably drive in, find an angle, or he can even kick it back outside. He is very good at passing whenever he is in air. He's also good at, you know, dribble, drive, penetration, kick it out, corner, three ball, it's good to go. So he's good with a lot of those scenarios, which we see a lot under Mark Dagnall's system. So I love him in that area, but it's more of a point forward gig with him because one thing that I have seen when looking at Vid Krejci, he is an amazing finisher, but he also has a lot of potential when it comes to shooting especially in the catch and shoot. And the numbers here are light. And this is once again, just a byproduct of him being injured, being in the back end of Zaragoza's rotation, but he shot 33.3% in his 2019-2020 campaign from distance. Now, granted, only average 0.8 attempts a game. I'm going to say this though, when you break down the technicality of Krejci's jumper, it's extremely fluid. It's not like another guy. I'll just point out Gabrielle Deck as the example. His jumper is packed with different motions. This is not a fluid one motion. He's got like three different hitches in here. Doesn't get off fast enough. Crutchy, he's able to elevate, get that jumper off. And if you're sagging just in the slightest bit, it's not going to be much of a contest for Vit Crutchy. So if he becomes a really good three-point shooter, I see him, ha- I see him as a great just wild factor off this bench and it's going to take some time for him to reach that I believe but he has a lot of seeds for a second rounder and it is it is just uncanny and you check him as a catch and shoot guy I think you realistically just want to pop him in the corner maybe even the wing Um, but also 
when it comes to how he plays off the ball, he doesn't need to stay sedentary in the corner of the wing. I really like him cutting baseline. He did it a ton uh, playing overseas, and he can still rise up there. This is not a person who's going to be throwing windmills, no between the legs. He's not that sort of athletic at six foot eight, but he can still get up there with the rim grazers. And if you guys saw the Josh Giddy dunk before he sprained his ankle against the Pistons, that's the kind of dunk fit Crunchy does a lot, really in transition too, where he's going to break away, he'll slam it, but it's not going to look pretty. You know, he doesn't focus on making sure he gets the tens from the judges. He can put some distance on it though. And when it comes to just attacking the basket in general, this is one of the more ferocious penetrators we have on the Thunder roster currently. He wants to put his head down. He wants to absorb every single ounce of contact. And one of the things in European basketball, you're not going to be getting calls, flailing your arms around, screaming, this and that. A lot of these contested and even made layups Crutchy hits over his course playing overseas would have been and ones or would have been foul calls in the NBA. And he's not going to have that preferential treatment. He doesn't have that star power, of course. But if you're going to go calling fouls fairly, he'd be going to the free throw line all the time, just like a Jalen Horde was with the Oklahoma City Blue and even with the Thunder. So his big trait with me is driving inside, absorbing that contact. Outside of that, though, you check him as another really intriguing playmaker at six foot eight who I don't think is going to be running true point just because of how many other people are already ahead of him in that area, but he will get you some production. And the thing here is I think the production might take a little bit of while uh, before we get to see actual Thunder minutes with him and before he carves out a genuine rotation spot because there are already eight other guys, guards, I should say, on this Thunder roster. And I talked about it even prior to Vit Crutchy being signed. I'll just kind of talk about it once again, though, to give you guys a refresher. There's guys like SGA here. Lou Dort, he might be the starting two. Josh Giddy is another one. You have Teo, you have Ty. Those are the clear ones. Trey Mann, too. We don't know if we're going to see him in the G League for stints. I would imagine if you're picking someone at 18th in a pretty stacked draft, in my opinion, he's going to be playing 20 minutes a game by January, you know, so he's going to be added in. You also have to think about Kenrich Williams. And if you want to get ticky tack with things, you can say Aaron Wiggins as a two-way contract. He's more of a two or a three. Also, Charlie Brown Jr. is there if they decide to retain him. I don't personally want to count him. I don't think he's going to be back, but swap him out for Vit Crutchy. We know for a fact he's going to be in a Thunder uniform, but when you check the pecking order, and I'll probably do a bit, you know, a bit of a bigger breakdown on things, but when you want to do a deep dive and a breakdown on this guard rotation, I don't know if Vit Crutchy is above any of these guys, and I say this, there's a lot of people even out of this list that might not get time that they deserve. I think Ty Jerome or Teo Maladon could get, you know, could get axed. And that would be terrible because they were averaging, both of them were averaging double digits off the bench last season. And Ty Jerome, I mean, he just kept showing out in the final 10 or so games. Like I was thinking he was out the door. I didn't give him much attention he made me look, and I think he made the whole fan base look, um, 
you know, just with what he was doing, penetrating, shooting threes, his assist to turnover ratio is off the charts. But also, moving beyond a point guard position, look at the two guards. Like, at Kenrich Williams, I don't know if he's going to be getting minutes. And the good thing with him is he can play two through four. So, he'll be able to salvage some playing at either forward spot. But it's still really thin there when you look at... Obviously, the Dort and Giddy conversation, I think those two are interchangeable. One of them's playing at the three, though. Poku and Bays, they might need to, you know, share some time depending on how Jeremiah Robinson Earl is used. Isaiah Roby, like, just so many questions come out of this. And I think Vit Krejci, he's going to be a guy who we're not looking at as a Thunder player yet. When Zaragoza and the Thunder made their agreement... One of the main storylines was what kind of contract can Vit Krejci actually fetch with the Oklahoma City Thunder? And a lot of people wanted a two-way deal. I think a two-way would have made a lot of sense because, you know, he's going to be playing predominantly in the G League. But I don't know if that's allowed. We saw from Vrenz, who was projected to go in the second round this last season, that you know, he could not get out of his European contract. He couldn't get exhibit 10s. He couldn't get two ways, which were reportedly offered to him. It had to be a guaranteed contract. And that might've been the same with Vit Krejci. Now he got that guaranteed contract. He might still be used as one of those guys that you put uh, with the Oklahoma City Blue though. When you check his actual pay grade, it's really nothing. This is another genius investment by Sam Presti. You look at the stars that have come out of two-way deals. Lou Dort is the big one. Moses Brown, too, has come out of the woodworks now. He's with the Magic now. Um, but a lot of success has come out of the Oklahoma City Blue, and a lot of it has come at the negotiation table as well because they're signing guys to four-year contracts where they're not actually locked in for four years. It's non-guaranteed for most of these seasons, and the same goes with Vid Krejci. He's only guaranteed year one of this contract. Past that, year two, it's an 800000 partial guarantee. And in my opinion, I'd probably want to keep him for that second year. If it's not working, third and fourth year, it's fine. There's a major insurance policy non-guaranteed for years three and four. So no money lost. Everyone's going to be happy within the organization if they're not okay with Vit Crutchy. So this is a very safe deal, very low risk, extremely high reward when you look at just all things considered. So I'm pumped to see him. I mean, he's only 21 years old, six foot eight. I think just like a Ty Jerome or just like an Alexei Pokashevsky, they're going to be getting a lot of reps they otherwise would not be seen in the NBA ranks. And I'll probably hone in on Poku with this comparison because just a lot of things align between the two. This is a seven footer in Poku playing at the perimeter, handling the ball. And prior to him joining the blue in February, a lot of hate was going towards him because he was trying to handle the ball. It wasn't working. A lot of sloppy passes were coming his way. And the three-point shot was not going in to save his life. He started really at a franchise where some stat was circulating like that. It was very bad on his threes. But he was able to go to the blue where the expectations were low. There were not as many cameras, you know, pointing at him, just depicting every small mistake. And he came out of there not with people focusing on his splits, not with people focusing on the turnovers, but focusing on the experience and focusing on the highlights he made there. That step back jumper that we saw in full 
in the regular season came from the blue. Him throwing dimes to Moses Brown, him working in the pick and roll, that started in the Oklahoma City Blue ranks. So he got to spread out his wings, and I think it really just pumped up his value and got him the confidence he needed moving back to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I think that can do that for Kretschy, of course. Now, I don't think there's any sort of confidence issue, but he's coming back from a torn ACL. That's going to get you rattled. It happened in late September. The recovery process was supposed to conclude in July. He'd get into summer league play in August. I think still, though, he's not at 100%. You want to get him to 100%. Whenever the blue season begins, he's going to be right around there. So the timelines are perfect, and I am just stoked to see what Vidkrejci can do because he has a lot of things he will be able to accomplish uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder, given he gets those opportunities down the line. But yeah, just major, major home run in retrospect in that 2020 draft. Love this pickup with Vit Krejci. But moving beyond that, though, I want to talk about just the Thunder team as a whole. And I actually want to talk about the entirety of the Western Conference, because there was an article that came out. It wasn't this week. I believe it was last week but it was still making a decent amount of waves. And it came from NBA.com. We all know they have the rookie ladder. They have like MVP ladders throughout the season. They're always posting content and it's awesome. A lot of people love to just digest that sort of stuff. A lot of it also comes during the off season though. And this is what I love to read personally. I love seeing the power rankings, you know, the top 50 players, because you can always look back at these and... Not clown on them per se, but there's a lot of wild cards that come out of NBA seasons, and I guess you can't knock it. Like, if I made a power rankings right now, and I'll make a power rankings video or podcast probably in some time, you can look at some of those takes and start laughing at me. You cannot have a perfect read on these things. Um, but, you know, there were some reads that John Schumann of NBA.com made that I feel like I need to talk about. And, It was just rattling down the top 15 or just ranking one by one the 15 Western Conference teams. And as you start looking at the top, you have the Phoenix Suns, actually, which I thought was a surprise putting them above the Lakers. Lakers are number two. You have the Jazz at three, Mavs at four. Just kind of keep going and going and going. One interesting one. They had the Warriors at seven. We'll see what happens with Clay and such. But I want to look at the bottom. And the very bottom has the Oklahoma City Thunder, ranked number 15, dead last in the Western Conference. And this is one of those takes where I think just all around, no matter who you're asking, media members, fans, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't say players, but I think a lot of people know where the Thunder are currently at. This is rebuilding mode. Everything here is just restoration. They're trying to get as many people to surround next to Shea Gilgis Alexander. And that leaves a large, you know, margin of error that they're actually okay with dealing with. So putting them at 15, I think to some, they might not be too happy with it. I tried, you know, making a case for some of these other teams. I do believe right now they might be dead last, but in terms of potential and in terms of future, I'll tell you right now, they are surely not 15th in this conference. They are uh, filled with a lot more young talent than some of these other names, but the one team that really drastically changed between the Thunder, you know, there was a flip-flop 
from regular season standings to this one happen to be the Houston Rockets. And the Houston Rockets last year, they were the lone Western Conference team to be worse than the Thunder. The Thunder, they were 22 and 50, while the Houston Rockets, they ended up finishing 17 and 55 over the course of their season. But Schumann put him above or put them above the Thunder. And honestly, when I look at the Houston Rockets, I don't like saying it because they took Jalen Green. They took a lot of stuff from the Thunder this last offseason, but they have done an excellent job. You know, the turnaround from James Harden leaving, Russell Westbrook leaving was ridiculous. They pretty much gave up Victor Oladipo for nothing. They could have had Karis LeVert. They wanted Oladipo. They wanted to somehow sneak the Pacers into that trade and it never worked, and they could have had Jared Allen as well. So people were clowning on them. I still think the Harden deal was not that favorable for them. Uh, they did kind of have their back against the wall, though, to play devil's advocate here. But they did great. I mean, they got Kevin Porter Jr. for a conditional second, literal potato chips. As long as he's able to stay um, with good alms with the league and the team, he's going to be very good. And they also had Kenyon Martin Jr. as their second round steal. Jay Sean Tate as a free agent pickup. Christian Wood in last year's free agency on a budget contract. But they also got Jalen Green in. And I think Jalen Green is going to be right there neck and neck with Cade Cunningham in terms of who takes that rookie of the year. He's so talented when it comes to scoring. I might even put him a level above Cade Cunningham. But even looking at the second unit for the Rockets, they have John Wall. We'll see what kind of John Wall uh, hits the court for the Rockets. If he's fully healthy, I don't know if they're going to be able to flip him because the contract is very nasty, but they're going to be able to have that third guard. They also have Eric Gordon, who I see more of just a trade chip. David Nawaba, he is a guy who is kind of hung around the league. He's not terrible. Comes to the inside game. He's above average. Um, when you look at power forwards, they got Usman Garuba, more of a center. He's 6'8", though, so you can slide him down there. DJ Wilson they have. Alperin Sangoon, though, that's the interesting guy. This is the mystery man that a lot of the Thunder fan base was just so upset Presti opted to pass on. He looks great in the summer league, only 18 years old, and man, oh man, it could be scary. I think if Green shows up, if Sangoon shows up, the guys like Martin and Tate show up, it's going to be scary because we know Ken, Kevin Porter Jr. is good. We know Christian Wood on a night-to-night basis can give you 20 and 10. I don't know if they're the second worst team in the West. Now, they might still be trying to accumulate assets. They don't owe the Thunder a draft pick this year. They don't owe anybody a draft pick. So they could go that route. Um, but, you know, I, I like them at 14. I would put them above the Thunder. And then at 13, they had the Spurs. This was one where I would almost... If it was my choice, I might put the Spurs behind the Rockets, but you can never really discount the Spurs. They always, on paper, seem to just have a mediocre roster, and then they're always fighting for a plan or fighting for a playoff spot. They have DeJounte Murray and Derek White, those two, very good guard tandem. Doug McDermott was the surprise pickup in free agency for them. He's going to be able to be a sharpshooter. They need one at the three, so I'd put him there. Keldon Johnson looked amazing in his rookie campaign. I'd put him a power forward, might be a sophomore, but he hardly played in his rookie year. So just give me some credit uh, for the center, though. Not crazy good. I mean, they have Jakob Pertl and then Zach Collins off the bench. Those are two pretty solid ones. And then the second unit, they don't have a Derek White as that backup point guard. They have Trey Jones, Lonnie Walker Jr., or the fourth. 
Devin Vassell, Thad Young, and they even have Joshua Primo as their 11th pick. So they have a lot of incoming talent, blossoming talent, but they do have some quote-unquote veterans like a Murray or Derek White. When you look at those two compared to the Thunder, I probably would give them the edge. Just as I said, though, think talent-wise and future-wise, I really, really like the Thunder because they do have SGA, and this is all just made up, scribbled in depth chart here. This has no validity to it, but I'd say SGA's at the one. You have Dort, Giddy, Poku, and Favors rounding out that starting unit. On that second unit, you have Teo Maladone, Trey Mann, Darius Baisley, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and Isaiah Roby. And that third unit has Ty Jerome, Vit Crenchy, which I don't expect him to play, Kenrich Williams, and Mike Muscala. Now, until we get info on Deck or Charlie Brown Jr., the Thunder, they technically have one extra roster spot. So they could fill someone in. I would think it'd be just a shot at getting more potential. Maybe they'd want to get a vet again. I'm not certain though. I think the cred sheet deal kind of is a little bit more of what is to come. Really, when you look at the draft too, they just got so many new guys coming in. Um, but then they also have two forwards and Aaron Wiggins to Josh Hall. So when you check things, I mean, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, that's your number one. That's your superstar. When you check what he did last year, crazy efficiency with him. He ended up finishing the season with averages of 23.7 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 5.9 assists while playing 33.7 minutes a game. And from three, dude was a monster. One of the top guys on the team shooting 41.8% from distance, shooting just about five times a game. He's 23 years old, by the way. You know, I, I might have already mentioned it, but it's worth saying it again. Like, he is locked up for a very long time with the Thunder. He's already placing numbers that I'm not going to say are greater than what we saw from some of the other guys that have come through uh, the Thunder organization, but you know he's on track to be a very special player, and you're going to need to find someone to pair up next to him, and that's what this season is about. That's why there's room for error. That's why you know they could be okay being the bottom of the roster going into lottery night with the highest cut of odds. But when you look at SGA and you look at what he did for the team, you can never count him out. You can never count out the Thunder winning contests. They stood at 16 and 19 before SGA was out the remainder of the season with a plantar fascia injury. That was like 500. They were just hanging around there. I think when you look at some of the other teams, the Wizards at this same time, they were 10 or so games below 500 and they almost willed their way into the playoffs. So there's something here. I mean, SGA can get you those victories. Now, it's a lot different outside of him. You do have Dort returning, but we're going to see a lot of new faces. And Giddy, he's only 18. He'll be having reps where there will be up and downs. Poku looking to have that breakout sophomore campaign. Those also should come with some ups and downs. The center spot doesn't have a true center that's in my opinion, part of the process. I mean, you have Derek Favors, who we just traded for in order to get more draft capital. He's solid. Um, He's going to be able to put up decent numbers, but I don't know what the long-term outlook with him would be. Mike Muscala, he'll be hanging around, but he's more of just a veteran guy. I think he's trying to shape some centers and kind of tutor them, but 
where are the centers? I mean, you have two small ball centers. I think that's what it kind of come down to. You have Isaiah Roby and you have Jeremiah Robinson Earl, but there's no Tony Bradley or Moses Brown anymore where there's a seven footer or seven foot two guy who's able to go in, play 25 or so minutes at the five and height wise stack up against the opposition. Roby's six, nine, Jeremiah Robinson Earl is also ranging around six foot eight to six foot nine. So there's always going to be that height deficiency unless you have favors out there. That could lead to some issues against certain teams. If Ennis Cantor's going up against Roby, we know it's going to be a Cantor kind of night. He torched him and all the appearances they faced off against each other. And it's just because he's so good playing in the post. And I think a lot of these post guys uh, at the five would be able to pick apart the Thunder defense. But it's okay. Uh, We're going to have probably 10 guys, maybe even more than 10 guys that... On a game-to-game basis, Thunder fans should be pumped up to see because any of them could go off, drop 15, 20 points in a starting role or a bench role, and they're all under like 23 or 24 years old. So it's going to be a very fun season in terms of victories. If you're looking for them to punch a playoff ticket, going to get a Larry O'Brien trophy, it's not going to happen this season, but there are going to be a lot of storylines. And just like last year, the fun is really never going to end because there is going to be so much activity within this roster. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for this episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.